everyone, and welcome back to our second episode of Disney Geeks, the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Carolyn. And I'm Rod. And today we are going to be talking about our very first film. We are so very excited. Well, I mean, I don't know how excited I am, but like we're talking about Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, the first prequel movie. So this wasn't the first movie that came out for Star Wars. Obviously, that was A New Hope, but this was the first prequel one. So since we're doing this chronologically, this is the one we are talking about first. Yeah, which I know a lot of people are going to say is very problematic. And I am pretty sure we're going to get all of the things people being like, you are watching them in the wrong order. You are not watching them in the correct way. So this is such, such a big, big thing among the Disney and the Star Wars, specifically Star Wars community. Oh, okay. There's only one way to watch it. And I'm like, okay. And they say, you have to watch them in the order that they are released. And I'm like, no, no falsehoods. I was like, if you want like, at least for me personally, I'm like, if you want like a complete cohesive story for someone who like knows Star Wars, but doesn't really know Star Wars, I feel like you have to watch it in chronological order because it just makes the story more, more cohesive. Whereas like, if you watch it, you're like, well, I know that like, this is a thing, but like, why are we, why haven't I seen this yet? And so it just makes things so much more complicated. So I'm like, if you just watch it in the order that like timeline wise, it just makes so much more sense. It's like me with Marvel. I completely agree. People are like, no, you have to watch them in the way they came out. I was like, but then you're hopping all over the place. You're, you're going from Iron Man. Then, you know, 20 years later, you get to Captain Marvel. I was like, just watch them all chronologically. Trust me, it'll make exactly. way more sense. But I, I agree. I mean, granted, I am not a big Star Wars nerd. So watching them, this is actually going to be the first time I've ever watched them chronologically. So I am excited about that because I think just I as a child I watched the original ones and I saw the prequels and obviously the newest ones but I've never watched them all together like I've done Marvel so I'm interested to actually see how the story flows and maybe that might actually change my perception of the the you know the Star Wars universe and how I feel about it all yeah for sure and I think that's definitely something that is a, a I think that's going to be good with this discussion that we're having and how we're doing it is it's giving you a different way to look at the movies as well as like how, like you said, how you perceive. Yes. So yeah, I guess then we can kind of jump into, I know the release date and all that kind of good little stuff. So this movie came out in May of 1999. That is, that boggles my mind. Like this is a 90s movie. Like this is a 90s movie. Okay, but you can tell with the CGI at times that this is is a 90s movie. (laughs) But at the same time, too, like, like while watching it, they've definitely done, like, a ton of enhancements with, like, the Blu-rays and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you can totally see that this is still a technological marvel for it being 1999. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like, if you think about, like, like, if you think about The Mummy Returns, like, that was around the same time frame. Or even, I think it's either the first Mummy or the second Mummy movie. Like, that's a lot of CGI, and that's really good. But, like, to put all this space stuff in there, like, that's wild to me. It's wild. Yeah. I also think once this one happened, too, and kind of that transition between movies that were a lot of practical effects and, you know, a mix of CGI and, like, pieces of CGI, uh, where this one definitely at times, like, you can tell there's practical sets, which they still do a lot, but it feels much more CGI heavy than I think a lot of the other films around that time, which were still, you know, more of, like, a mix. And you could tell that it was a lot more practical sets, like Pirates or, like, Lord of the Rings, um, where they only used CGI in certain, you know, places. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess that leads me to, since I, I have a very distinct memory for this, but I would like to hear your memory of when this movie came out. Okay, so uh, I remember, like, the movies coming out, and I remember having seen the original Star Wars films and actually being really, really excited. I was probably early teen-ish. I think I was heading into, like, my teenage years when this was coming out. Um, So I remember being excited for the movie. I actually remember really liking the movie when I saw it. I, I think, obviously, through, like, your teenage eyes, you, like, don't see any of the flaws in the film. Uh but I remember just absolutely being obsessed with Queen Amidala and Natalie Portman. Like I was obsessed with the costumes in this film and the subsequent films. But I remember just like 
loving her and thinking she was like the coolest person ever. Like Leia was awesome, but like Amidala was even more awesome. Um, and I think because I was in that kind of preteen teenage stage, like she was a really cool kind of person for me to look at and looked up to. So I actually really have really positive like memories of the, of the movie when I look back and I think about it and I like would read all the books and look at all the caught co- like I, when I say I was obsessed with these costumes I was obsessed with these costumes like I wanted to own her entire wardrobe especially with Attack of the Clones like every outfit she wore in that I was like I I need it <laughs> can I have it <laughs> I mean they, it is pretty fabulous and I think that was something that was I mean we can talk about it once we get into the movie but like her hairstyles I'm like oh we we played around with it with Leia but like, let's let's show that her mother really was about her hair. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, with mine, I have a very, very, very distinct memory with this movie. So basically, this movie came out when I was eight, um, eight or, or I was like right about to turn nine. So we, I remember I was in school, and my dad pulled me out of school because I remember there was an assembly. My dad just like pulled my brother and I randomly out of school because my brother and I. Uh, we're huge like Star Wars fans. Like we had the VHS for the original trilogy. We watched it nonstop. Um, I even like I'll get more into it like when we get later down the road. But I had Luke's Return of the Jedi saber that I would like play with in the backyard. So it was like it was a big thing. Um, but anyways, I remember him taking me out of school and he bought us these T-shirts that was like the poster. And we were like, okay, cool. Like thanks, Dad. And he was like, well, surprise. I'm taking you to go see episode one. And we all like flipped out. We were like, oh my gosh, we're going to go see episode one. And the funny thing is the theater that he took us to was in my hometown and it no longer exists. It is now a Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh my gosh. Which is so crazy that you, like a Bed Bath & Beyond, I go in there, I was like, this was a movie theater. And like, they didn't like tear anything down. It literally is the exact same space. So I'm like, how, how did we have these movies in here? Um, but regardless, like that was just my distinct memory of like being able to be taken out of school, go see Star Wars, and just have my mind blown that like I got to experience something that my mom got to do and my dad got to do is like see these movies for the very first time when they were younger. Yeah. I, and I think this was kind of pre the midnight screenings. Like I feel like mm-hmm. once we got in some of the later ones, they started doing the, like I remember going to a lot of the midnight screenings for a lot of a lot of the movies. Um, which is also like a really like cool thing just because it, it got so big. But yeah, this is this is the first Star Wars movie. Like I saw, I did see the originals in the theater when they did the re-release, which we can talk about when we get there. This is like the first new Star Wars movie that I like saw in theaters. And I, I do remember like the experience of it being like, like really cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess before we get into the thick of this movie, um, if you could rate it out of, you know, I mean, you know, let's rate it out of like 10 lightsabers, multicolored lightsabers. <laughs> multicolored. Many, exactly. Multicolored <laughs> lightsabers, the red, the green, the purple, you mm. know, the blue, all of them. What, how many lightsabers would you give it? Uh, I think like based on my memory as a preteen, it's, it would probably be like an eight. Like I remember really liking this as like probably an 11, 12 or th- it was somewhere in that age range. Uh, I would probably say it's around there based on like I'm going on pure nostalgia what about you all right um so I guess based off of the same pure nostalgia I'll give that probably probably give it about the same an eight out of ten because like I was pretty young though like I didn't fully grasp everything I remember my dad had to explain some things to me so eight out of ten you know yeah yeah like that's where it sits (laughs) all right well then I will you know what I will let you start it out (laughs) all right so the intro to the film obviously you have your star wars credits and we learn that the trade federation is invading a small planet called naboo and they've sent two jedis to help with negotiations so that is our basically first scene of the movie where you meet qui-gon and obi-wan as they are supposed to be having this like trade negotiation with the federation and like i i do love that immediately they called back to like such an iconic line of like i have a bad feeling about this that like han always used to say so i feel like they like definitely try and like get anyone who loved the original movies like with that hook like almost immediately yeah, definitely. And it's really cool to see the Jedi in their peak. So you're seeing exactly what 
the Jedi were meant to do and that they were supposed to keep the peace between all of this and that they were sent um, as peacekeepers, kind of like the diplomats for the Republic to kind of ease transitions with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we can, I know a lot of people, the big premise of it just being basically a political dispute, which is the overarching thing of this entire movie is people are like, well, I didn't want to, I didn't come to this movie to hear about trade negotiations and to hear about how like there's a trade, like a trade invasion is coming into this small planet. But I definitely, but that's why I think that this movie is such a vital piece to the entire thing is that, yeah, it is a movie about the Trade Federation and it is, you I remember the, oh no, the Viceroy and all of like those aliens, they were very problematic at the time. Very, Mm. very problematic because they felt like they were making fun of a very particular culture, which I think you can kind of guess. And they were like, that is not okay. I get annoyed anytime they're on screen. I just get a little annoyed because like (laughs) their mouths don't match up with anything that they're saying. And I'm like, couldn't we have worked just a little bit harder on this? (laughs) Like, was it Why that, couldn't they be the CGI? <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, I get you had to, like, CGI Jar Jar Binks and all those people. But, like, all oh, that, like, at least, like, I don't know, do something. Make it look a little better. <laughs> like, anytime, like, they would come. And then, like, they would just be so stale sometimes. Like, what? Jedi? Like, that one of the first lines. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, bad. They just remind me of, like, bad acting fish people. Like, they can't even, like. Yes. Job. Oh no, like, for yeah. sure. Oh, oh yeah. it, was, it was so bad. <laughs> like, but no, I could definitely see that. Like, oh, that's that's not a good. Yeah, that's it's not definitely. A good look. Yeah, it's definitely cringe. Um, but yeah, I definitely enjoy that entire first scene too. Is that they're legitimately like they're just trying to show you, hey, this is the Jedi. This is the peak. This is what um, Luke basically was to aspire. Like, this is what he was trained to get to. And these people were already there. And I think it's also really cool because I've seen a lot of the behind the scenes too is showing what a Padawan and the master relationship looked like as opposed to, you know, when we get to the sequ- or the um, original trilogy that like Luke is just, I'm just learning. And they're like, no, like this is a way of actually um, how the organization actually worked and what you had to look like. Yeah, like how, how it was structured and just setting up the world in general, because obviously this is the prequel is coming. This isn't typically how stories are told. You don't typically get the prequel after you get the other stuff. So, you know, they have to kind of set up this new world for us. Like we're used to this world where, you know, the evil empire is ruling. But what did that look like before it was the evil empire? So there's different, you know things that are happening there, which is what all of this is, you know, setting up. And I just, I love the negotiations go sour. They always go sour. They never like work out, but I just love, it's also such a great um, kind of like dual, like, like you kind of said with the master and then the Padawan and how they actually like fight together. Like I, once one of the things I love about this movie is seeing Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan like duke it out with their lightsabers together as like a team. Cause that's something that's completely new for this. Well, obviously we're starting with it now, but from the original trilogy to this, that's something you hadn't seen before. Cause Luke was the only one who really had a, you know, a lightsaber on the, on the good side and same thing with yeah. Darth on the other yeah, side. Yeah, for sure. Well, then we get to go to your favorite um, woman down on the planet of Naboo. We get to see Padme because they decide that they're going to jam communications before something happens. And so you get to see Padme, who is the youngest elected queen, which we learned in the second movie, but still it's worth noting that she is the youngest elected queen in Naboo history at 14. And she um, basically, they're figuring out what's going on because they're talking with Senator Palpatine. Um, who is trying to figure out why the negotiations haven't happened and why all this isn't happening. And that's when we get to see uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan get down to Earth as well. Or to Earth, oh my gosh, get down to Naboo. Get down to the planet. <laughs> they get to, they, they come down to Naboo after the trades go sour. And this is when they run into, they're trying to escape from the the droid ships that are like plowing through the whole, the whole planet. Um, and they run into... Everyone's favorite Gungan, Jar Jar Binks. 
So <laughs> now, now as an adult, I can see why everyone thinks he's like really annoying. But I think because like I am such a clumsy, klutzy like person, <sighs> like I relate to that part of Jar Jar Binks that he's just like Misa just Misa just had an accident and everyone got mad and then they got kicked out and I'm like you know I, I like I like feel you on that. <laughs> I mean you know there's there's moments where I look at I'm like Charger like we will get to it when when we get to episode three but Charger is actually a really <laughs> important character um, to this entire thing but in the first movie specifically I know everybody just he they hated him and i know he's like been the butt of every joke when they do robot chicken and they do like star wars stuff and yeah he he's definitely not not george lucas's best decision in terms of a character to create i i concur with that but i also i'm also on the vein of like jar jar binks is also very important if he wasn't there we wouldn't have the rest of the trilogy which again i'm like jumping ahead but like i know yeah very he's just he's an important guy if he was not introduced in this movie we would not have the sequence of events that need to happen later on yeah and i know that he got i think he got downgraded too in like the sequels because people like had such an adverse reaction to him um, but like the Gungans are just kind of interesting in in general. Like there's an interesting group of, of people. I've I have more thoughts on them. Um, but I just I do love that like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon kind of like team up like <laughs> when when they're like on either side of him, like talking to him, he's like, Oh, Misa don't know. And they're like, I can't remember what they were saying to him actually, but it was just like they were just like back and forth. I was like, This poor, this poor Gungan, he doesn't know what he's in for. Like, ba- <laughs> the basic of the conversation is like they're like, hey, we need we need you to take us to your city. They're like, uh, actually, no. And they're like, hey, you hear that? Like, that's a thousand <laughs> yes. people coming yeah. your direction. And they're not going to care. They will come and slaughter us and blast us into oblivion. He's like, me so think we're going to go down there now. Yeah, that was it. They were like, well, you could die down there. Or all these things that are coming, I could kill you right here. And he's like, okay, we'll go to the city, which is where we go to next. So they put in like their little breathing things and they go down and we like go into like their bubble city. What I I don't know what what their city is called. I don't remember what it is either. I like to call it the, what is it? The frog version of Atlantis. Yeah. They're like, they're very interesting, interesting people looking, but it's like, okay, so they get down there and they like, before they go into the bubble, they can somehow stand and like walk on the platform like is there some sort of like weird gravity thing that allows them to do that like i am technically they shouldn't be able technically they should just swim in and just fall flat on their face you're right you know you're right (laughs) you you are right you are right they technically should just like swim in and then just like fall flat um but i think it's i think you know they're using the force you know i'm just gonna sometimes when things don't make sense you just use the I'm like, but Jar Jar was able to do it too, so... I mean, I feel like Jar Jar, his would make sense because he's been there before. He can, like, figure out how to do it. He's, like, swimming, blah, blah, blah. Uh, For Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, you are 100% correct. Um, They should not be able to do that. (laughs) I never thought about that before. And as you bring that up now, I'm like, you know what? She's right. She's 100% right. This is the stuff that I think about when I watch movies. I'm like... How is that physically possible? You were like, you're floating in water. You shouldn't be able to stand and then walk. It's, it's not how this works. You know what? Maybe it does on Naboo, Carolyn. <laughs> Maybe it does on Naboo. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because they're close to the core. Like, that's what I said. Then then they meet with the the scary, like. They meet with, they meet with the, the bossa, the big bossa. The bossa. Yeah, the bossa. Like, okay, what? Okay. So, why does the boss look different than all the other Gungans? Because he's the boss of. I mean, you know, again, you're right. Um, you know what? But why the, do we? How do you get? How do you? I mean, listen. Why do some of us look different, Carolyn, in real life? They're different, like sections of species. Okay, no, I get that, but I mean, like, at least throw like a couple more of them in there, so it could be like, oh, like you know, maybe like he has like maybe his like queens there, and she looks like that, and it's like the royal like Gungan family all like looks like that, or like the upper class. Like, I, I just I have more questions about the Gungans. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> like they're kind of ridic- they're kind of ridiculous, and I'm like half the time I'm like, why are you like also. Like the way they talk, I'm like, I can't understand half of what you're saying. It's gibberish. It really is. Oh, you don't like the. 
<laughs> like when the, the spit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so thinking about it, um, again, the Gungans also serve no purpose. Um, I mean, they help at the end, but really we could have just used, we could have just used the army that, you know, Queen Amidala possessed. Actually, no, actually, no, no, no. I take that back. I take that back. There, we did need the Gungans. We did need the Gungans. We did need the Gungans. But I also see like we could have we could have thought a little bit differently about what type of species or like whatever thing that was. We could have you know what I feel like they probably wanted to do like an Ewok situation because they were like we can't do another forest thing because we already have yeah. the Ewoks. We can't do it again. So let's try like we haven't done forest yet. Let's try underwater. I mean, the underwater thing is cool, and I love it because it does make sense that they now have to go through the core, which is what ha happens yes. next. I don't know. I just feel like you could have – like, there's so many things you could have done with that. They're just they're just interesting creatures, and I feel like you could have just made them – I don't know, maybe more, like, mermaid-like. Yes. I feel like they will – that's another thing with this film, which we can talk about now or we can talk about later. I feel like they just liked to – they just wanted to introduce a bunch of, like, cool new characters. Like, once we get to Tatooine, you have, like, Sebulba and – I don't know the little fly. Guy. Yeah, I think like I think, but like because of the introduction of CGI, it's like, oh, we can do all these cool new characters, and I'm like, we don't need a million of them. Yeah, like, I mean, in the end, I feel like they probably just they saw how much people were really into the action figures of like the old, like the original trilogy, so mm. they were like, hey, we can make yeah. all these new aliens that we can like introduce and push in, and now there's more collectibles that people can buy and all of that. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. But, yeah, you're right. So they go, oh, I was going to say, you're right. They go into the core after that, um, which is also kind of messed up because the reason why they let, because either they basically did the exact same thing um, that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon did in the top. They were basically, or on the surface, they're basically like, hey, you can either stay here and die, or you can go through the planet's core with these two and die. So your choice. And so Jar Jar basically is like, uh, I, the best part is he goes, Better than here or the core. What we're gonna die? What I'm so saying. So basically, he's just like Jar Jar's. Basically, like I'm gonna die either way. Let's just do something. He's like, might as well like take the possibility that lets me have the chance to live. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. But these these guys are so lucky as they go through the core. Like they wouldn't have made it if this big like monster that kept eating all the smaller monsters hadn't shown There's up. There's always a like, bigger fish. You know. There's always a bigger fish. Oh. <laughs> I just love Qui-Gon. He's like, he's just like so chill and Jar Jar's sitting there like, Bah! Like, we gotta die! To be fair, we are all Jar Jar, but we aspire to be Qui-Gon. <laughs> we do. Nobody wants just like, will you just shut up? Like, <laughs> I can't with you. I mean, also say, we are also, we are Jar Jar and also Obi-Wan. We are the conflicting things that are in our minds. <laughs> I say we are, but they eventually do make it to Naboo where they are, you know, trying to figure out if the queen is going to stay and then they like meet up with her. Yes. Basically. So basically she's been captured. Yes. She's been captured by the Viceroy and the Viceroy is trying to force her to sign a treaty. And this treaty is to basically give all rights to the Trade Federation to be able to say, hey, we are now able to invade your planet to make it legal. So that's why... Um, if you look at the uh, Sith Lord that we see in this movie, he basically says, I will make this invasion legal, so don't worry about the repercussions of the Senate. And so that's what he's trying to do. They're like, as long as you get her to sign that treaty, that's all that matters. And Padme, being the cool woman that she is, is saying, uh-uh, I'm not going through that. I'm not going to do this. I'm here for my people. And that was the big thing. They basically said, hey, we need to get you to Coruscant which is the capital of the Republic. Um, they said, we need to get you to Coruscant so you can plead your case to the Senate because if you stay here, they either will force you to sign the treaty or they will kill you. One of the two. And she's like, I don't want to leave my people. And they're like, I don't want to leave my people. But they said, no, 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 you need to do this. Otherwise, more people will die. You know, and thankfully she like actually made the choice to go because I feel like in some movies now, it would be like, no, no, I can't leave my people. And she would like stay on the planet. Yeah. Like, I feel like that may be a thing that might have happened if this movie was made at a different time. But, you know, she's smart enough to go. She gets on the ship. They get out. But, unfortunately, in making their escape, the ship gets yes, damaged. Yes, and they have to find an emergency planet. And the closest one happens to be... Tatooine! 
Oh, but we we skipped over a major character that gets introduced in that battle. Oh no! We, yes, R2-D2. we meet R two D two. He is a, a droid from Naboo, and he is out there to say like all the other R two units got blasted away, and R two is the only one that was able to get it together. Huh. I know he's just he's just always the best. He really is. You know his little beep boops and his blue blops. I love that little. And he just always is saving the day and being like, you can't understand a thing he says, but he's just like, I feel like he's just like a sassy little droid. He's just like, boom, 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 boom. Also, I love that it's the way that like, you know, you clearly know it's R2-D2. But then the guy goes, his name, his thing is R2-D2? D2? Dude, it's clearly R2-D2. Just say it's R2-D2. You're like, come on. Just, it's not that hard. It's like two two numbers and two letters. I say also like the Naboo ship reminds me of a, of a like a letter <laughs> opener. Like, and it's I mean, I do love how sleek it looks, but you're not wrong. Um, honestly, when I saw it, I thought of what was the, uh, it reminds me of like Star Trek a little bit too. Like they're definitely like, Hey, we're going to try to be, like hush, hush. We're going to try to be Star Trek for a minute. And hopefully nobody notices. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can I copy your homework? But ooh, I exactly. copied the Honestly, yes. They were like, hey, we know Star Trek came after us, but like, hush, hush, we're gonna like borrow you for a second. But it does look like a it does look like a little opener. You're not wrong. I bet you that must have been one of the merch things. They said, here's a letter opener in the shape of a Naboo ship. Right? It's like, who they're like, well, you know, this letter opener, just the way that the light hits it, it's really pretty. Let's, you know, let's model a ship after that. Mm-hmm. That may be like pretty cool. So they land in they land down in Tatooine and basically we they say they're gonna go try to find parts in the nearest village that they go to. Um, but they want the handmaid to go in. So we have Padme, who is the handmaid to the queen to go with them. Um, and the and the queen is very forceful about it. She says, I have to go with her. She's like, you can't go by yourself. I have to be there. I feel like when I saw this for the first time, like everyone knew that Padme was the queen. Like, was that supposed to be super obvious or was that supposed like, was that supposed to be like a big reveal that we all at the end went like, I mean, she's the queen. As a kid, as a kid, um, I didn't get it. I just was like, okay. Like I did think it was weird that I'm like, the queen's being really forceful about this. Like, I don't understand why. I mean, if you like really look yeah. at it, it's like, yo, no duh. Like that's why she's being forceful about it. And if you look, like Padme literally goes, like keeps eyeing the guy being like, hey, I know they're saying no, but like, keep my cover. Like, I have, to, I go have to go. Well, I say, and even when like they're in the situation, she's like, the queen wouldn't like this. And then he like walks away and she's like, I don't like this. That's like, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Agree. I was like, was that supposed to be like a twist reveal? Because I feel like it was a, a very, very obvious. But yes, they go to the planet to get parts and then they go into town, which is where we meet. I don't remember the little birdie guy's name. He's just a little birdie guy and Anakin. Oh, no, not Anakin. Oh, no. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, but you're right. It's the bird. It's the birdie dude. Um, he has a species name, too. And I, I honestly don't remember what it is either. But yes, that's where we meet little Anakin Skywalker. I feel bad for the the poor actor kid because I mean, you know, he's really not that great. But like everyone, like just like is so mean to him. Like I don't think he had any previous acting experience. Was it's maybe not the best casting choice in the world. But you don't have to be like mean to this poor kid. Like I, I as annoying as he can be at times, I actually feel more bad for him. Like in rewatching it, I was like, oh, I just, I feel so bad that you got put in this situation yeah, and, as a child. In the situation That's that I, feel. I don't think people realize is, so if I remember correctly, Empire Strikes Back is the only other one besides the sequel trilogies that George Lucas didn't direct. Because everyone basically was like, I don't want to touch it, you do it. And George Lucas didn't want to direct, like he hated directing, he just liked creating the story. So he was forced to direct the prequel trilogies too, which is why if you look, I'm like, he's not a good director in terms of like acting choices. Because even if you look at later stuff too, and even with Padme, like Natalie Portman is a Oscar winning actress and all of her other roles after Star Wars, she's like impeccable. So I'm like, you can't, in the end one, it's the script. 
too. It's how he decided to direct them. Yeah, I think too, you see it with like the more experienced actors like uh, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson where they have, they're much older and they can bring their experience and their own thoughts to the role. Whereas Natalie Portman and I think the kid's name was Jake. Like you can definitely tell in their performances that they have to rely on a director to give them such a gift. Yeah. It's like, and I think you can definitely tell that in the second and third ones a lot more. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially as, especially as Natalie Portman gets older, you also see that she's, developed her more acting skills because like Padme definitely does change as she as the movies progress um but yeah so basically we find out that um the parts they need money for it imperial credits don't work so they need money money and so uh Anakin decides to help them and says that he will do it in a pod race but the big thing that we learn is that Anakin and his mother are slaves to the I want it's uh Watu there we go. Thank you. I was like, I want to call him Greedo, and that was not it. Um, that's that's another person. Yeah. Uh, so they are slaves to him, and they cannot get out of it. And so the last time that Anakin prays, he lost, and he just like he almost died. So the mom doesn't want him to do it, and the kid's like, Nope, I will put it together, and we will we'll go do it. The other big thing that we learn um, through this whole kind of montage of him putting his stuff together is that Anakin is basically like Jesus. Um, he, he was not, uh, he was not conceived. Like his mother Shmi literally just woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Like that was super weird. And I don't think I realized that as a kid. And then in one of the later scenes, they kind of do actually like describe that, like the midichlorians, like basically gave him life. And I was like, that's, that, that's interesting. Like we get a like star wars i think mythos or lore relating to how the jedi get their powers and then obviously with like the midichlorian counts and them being able to well so there is a bigger theory that we will get to when we get to episode three okay it's been a long time since i've seen that one yeah so when we get to episode three there's a big like basically people have real like figured out how anakin came to be it was not by the midichlorians but the midi-chlorians was also, midi-chlorians were also a huge, huge, huge thing that Star Wars people said, this is stupid. This is like the most ridiculous thing that we've ever heard. Because they thought of the force as just like, oh, we draw from like, like basically it's it's not a being. Because what George Lucas ended up describing is that the midi-chlorians are beings that like exist in a person. Yeah, they're like like you're like microbio like they're basically like your cells in a sense whereas i always felt like in the original films the force was just kind of describing everything yes. that's like around it's you. like uh it's kind of like using like a spirit or something like that like the kind of like the forest like the the not forest but like the native american or like viking or like those ancient mythos where they would just drawn some unknown power to be able to use it and only some people could tap into it and some people couldn't or it's like okay okay because i'm really into shadow and bone right now or it's like in shadow and bone where characters who have the ability can tap into that like whether it be summoning you know water or fire or manipulating like a person's like organs like it's like that's always kind of how i envisioned the force it's just this external thing that you can like call upon to manipulate and certain people have that ability and are more in tune with that yes. and then other people just aren't like that's always that was the interesting thing but i do feel like the midichlorian thing eventually dies off because i don't feel like it's ever talked about now oh no 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 so here is the big thing so first of all you are correct that it, everybody hated it and so it did fall off okay and that's why in the sequel trilogies when they when which we'll get to with that one. Finn talks about it's his thing that, excuse me, that he's apparently supposed to be part of, like he's force sensitive. And we learn part of that in like Rogue One and stuff like that too. But it did come back recently. Okay. So in the, I think it's like, it's, it's in the middle of the season of the second season of the Mandalorian. They call it the MD count. So they do mention midichlorians again, okay. but they don't say midichlorians. They say the MD count. And I remember the person I was watching it with, we both looked, we're like, midichlorians? 
And so we're like, oh, they're talking about it again. And I mean, there's like a big theory that I've made with like the Mandalorian and what all that stuff happened. But the midi-chlorian thing is definitely something interesting and that could be explored a little bit more. And George Lucas said it was supposed to be a bigger thing in the prequel trilogies, but just because everyone hated on it so much for The Phantom Menace, he was like, forget it. I'll just let it go. It'll be the thing that I know that happens in my head, but everyone else can just F off. Yeah, because I, I really feel like they made, like, they talked about it so much with, like, in this scene and then later when Qui-Gon sends it off to have it tested and then when they talk about it again with the Jedi Council, yeah, for it to just die off, just, like, become nothing is, is very interesting. So it'll be interesting to actually see if it starts to make a resurgence because I feel like that's one of those things where if done correctly, it could be really interesting in, in the mythos of, of Star Wars. I think it's when you throw things in like that and then you can't explore it. Also, I feel like this is like one of my pet peeves with like Star Wars is like they're very reactionary. So it's like someone doesn't like something. So, okay, we're going to we're going to completely change it. We're going to remove Jar Jar Binks. No more midichlorians. <laughs> where it's like with Marvel, it's like if people are like, we didn't like this, they're like, yeah, whatever. It's our story. Well, see, I think that's the bigger thing that I've realized with, well, the original trilogy, just nobody knew what was going to happen. So like once that finished, they, like somebody were disappointed. They were like, whatever. It, but that was its segment. Whereas they're like, okay, if we're going to expand on this, then we have to do it right because we want to do the original trilogy right. Whereas with, I feel like Marvel, Marvel already knows their bigger arcing story. Like they already know what's going to happen. So they're like, or at least they know what their end point's going to be. So they're like, you're complaining about it now, but just wait like three movies later and it'll make sense. And whereas like here, Star Wars has always been a movie by movie situation to get to each part. So I definitely think that's the bigger problem is that Star Wars doesn't have the overarching theme that Marvel knows that it's getting to. Star Wars is very much segment by segment by segment. Which I feel is why I, I, I have criticisms. Which, I mean, it. it is very fair criticisms, which I will now get into my big criticism. I hate, I hate the pod racing segment. I just find it so boring and so unnecessary. And it goes on for so long. Like, for so long. It really is. They didn't, it didn't need to be that long. And like, it honestly, it reminded me of Sugar yes. Rush, but in the yes, sand. Yes. That was what, that was what I thought of. And then there was one of the aliens that I like saw it and I was like, he looks like Sven. He honestly does. You're right. You're right. <laughs> this is weird. But yeah, no, that scene is like, cause they, they spend a lot. I get it's like a big plot point of the film, but yeah, it's just like, they just go in circles and then they end up picking them all off. And then like, yes. Lord, no Anakin's going to win. I don't know. They just didn't feel like there were like really any stakes for it. You didn't ever yeah, you worry. Never wor you're right. You never had to worry about Anakin losing or anything like that. And I know they wanted to be like, ooh, here's Jabba. And I'm like, okay, like, I highly doubt Jabba cares about a pod race. Like that was the other thing too. I'm like, you threw him in there because you know, everyone's going to be like, it's Jabba the Hutt. But in the end, it's just like Jabba would never come out just to be like, cool, let me start a pod race. Like Jabba could do everything else. But yeah, no, it's uh, the one thing that we didn't mention is that um, before the race, they made, a, uh, they quite made a bet with, what's his name again? Watu. Watu, thank you. I'm such a see, fake Star Wars fan here. Um, basically made a deal saying that it was either going to be his mother or the kid or Anakin that gets set free if he wins. And the deal is Anakin. And so, we, lo and behold, Anakin wins. And so Anakin gets, he is set free. Um, and he gets the parts for the ship. And so they are off to leave to go back to Coruscant. But one of the things that we also didn't cover is that we now have a the Master and the Apprentice. And so we have a Sith, yes. And so the Dark Lord of the Sith that we have met so far, which is Lord Sidious, um, he has an apprentice named Darth Maul, and he has sent Darth Maul to take care of the Jedi. Darth Maul has made his way to Tatooine and has a little battle with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and all that jazz. And obviously they stop him and they escape and they're like, oh my gosh, who is that? The Sith can't be back. The Sith have been gone for centuries. What is that? I say, yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, a Sith Lord. 
Oh yeah, they're they're so funny. But also, like Anakin's mom was like just so chill. She's like, "Yes, take my son. It's fine." Well, I mean, I kind of see. I see why she let him. Like she was as chill. She was like, you could tell she was upset. Yeah, but I like. I don't know. There's just there's it's like you expect as a mother who this is your child. Like I get he's like no longer a slave which is amazing but she's just like so chill about it she's like it's fine you can like leave go live your life (laughs) and it's like i don't know you wouldn't like you wouldn't cry a little bit like you know it just it just it's it's so interesting that that's how they decided to like portray her as this just very like chill chill mom i think honestly my perception of it is like you can tell like i think the actress did a really good job of like hiding it behind her eyes of like i Mm -hmm. don't want you to go but I know that this is the best option for you because if you stay here, you'll either get back in slavery or you'll live in poverty for the rest of your life. And these people are going to give you a life that I can't give you. Yeah. And I'm like, in my head, my head canon that I've made for her is that after he left, she went into the house and cried for like three days. She was inconsolable, probably. Oh, yeah. We also didn't mention that the person that consoled her was C3PO. Yeah, because he's such, like, the most, like, emotionally sensitive droid. Well, the fact that C-3PO was created by Anakin is, like, the wildest thing to me. Right. Yeah, we didn't actually talk about that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I do think that I like they show about Anakin in this movie is that he is very much, like, an inventor, a creator. Like, he likes to build things and do things. And my my, my memory is fuzzy on the rest of the trilogy. but. I don't really feel like we get to like revisit that much um, with him, but I I did like that aspect of his character in this, that he built C-3PO, that he would repair things, that he built a pod racer. Like, you know, the kid's obviously like crazy talented and smart, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's something that I, I don't see now looking back, I feel like that is a flaw. Like I kind of wish C-3PO was like from the Republic and like, he like got brought in just the fact that he's just this, droid that anakin created and then just so happens to be thrown into the mix of everything like that i think it's kind of weird to just like he makes his appearance and you're like oh that's weird like he's on tatooine we left him on tatooine how the heck is he gonna end up on this like when we get to episode four and he's on this cruiser with princess leia so i mean i guess that does leave a bit of suspense but at the same time you're like did you i feel like you just threw him in there for the sake of throwing him in there yeah, it's a, one of those things. I feel like any successful franchise could be guilty of it. You know, you have a successful character that people obviously like, and it's like, let's let's give every single one of them an origin point. Like, let's show how they, like, where they come into the story. So obviously we get, like, literally all of them. We get R2-D2, we get C-3PO, you know, we, we see Yoda, you know, we see Jabba. Like, again, that was one of the things that I kept thinking about this movie. It's like, you're throwing in all these creatures and these characters and then literally throwing in half of the original characters into the movie. It's like, you don't have to pack things into a film just to have them in the film. Let this movie stand on its own and introduce characters in ways that maybe make a tiny bit more sense. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, they make their way to Coruscant and we have two, uh, storylines that kind of happen at the same time. We get Anakin, who was off to the Jedi Temple to see if he'll be able to be trained to be a Jedi. And we get Pad, or we get Amidala, the queen, to go to the Senate and state her case. So basically we have the big, this is why I'm like, I'm such a political nerd that like, I love the Senate scene because she's stating her case and the chancellor seems obviously very like, yes, we need to like help Naboo. We need to blah, blah, blah. And uh, Palpatine leans over to Padme and just, or Amidala and keeps going like, hey, um, you're going to notice that like, we're going to say all this, but then he's going to be easily influenced and he's going to say, maybe you need to prove your point a little bit more. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, the chancellor goes, would you be interested in having someone go to your planet and investigate? And she's like, no, like we need this to happen now. If you're not going to do it, we need to change our chancellor. Yeah. And it's also, you know, obviously knowing what happens in the, you know, subsequent films, I say it's really great. You know, you maybe not notice the manipulation happening um, of her 
until you kind of know what happens, but it's just really great, like subtle manipulation on Palpatine's part, you know, how he does all of that to like get what he wants, but he's making it seem like I'm abdicating for you and your people. And this is what we, well, cause he's from Naboo as well. If he's their Senator. That's also a crazy thing too, that I'm like, Oh, he comes from like this beautiful planet and he like Palpatine is just not a nice dude. Right. I say Limbu is probably my favorite planet. But yeah, just to like in these scenes when they're on Coruscant and he's having these conversations with her, just how well he's able to shift and manipulate her all while coming off as this, you know, well, I want the best for our people. We need to do this. We need to have our voice, you know, now that because, you know, eventually they go down the road of abdicating or removing the chancellor so that other people can be nominated and he's like now i have the chance to abdicate for our people and it's like oh like obviously these are all really great things but then you know obviously we find out things later in the films and it's like hmm, like it's it's interesting yeah, not not the best choice yeah it's interesting rewatching it having that knowledge of what happens yes so basically to wrap up um, amidala's plot line is basically she says hey you deal with the political adversaries here, Senator Palpatine. I'm going back to help our people. So then we get to Anakin. And Anakin goes to the Jedi Temple where we meet Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson. And we meet the rest of the Jedi Council, including Yoda. And they all, they test him. They say, you know what? This kid's mad talented. He's got, he's really strong in the force, but we can't teach him. We sense a lot of darkness in him. We sense a lot of issues um we also sense that and he's also too old and part of and that's the big thing too is they don't like to take people older than a certain age because their mindsets have already been made up and so they're like Mm. we can't have them we can't train people to be monks if they've already had experiences outside of that yeah and anakin has like a lot of like emotions and fear and feelings which is also not a really not a good thing in the jedi world you're supposed to be very calm and you know one note um i miss puppet yoda like i like especially in that like the cgi for him obviously gets better in the next two films but especially in this one i just i really miss the og yoda definitely there's i remember once they did the cgi i was like oh we're changing to cgi yoda so we get all of that and the big thing that we also learn is that qui-gon believes that he is the chosen one that he is going to bring balance to the force and that he is going to uh make sure that we are completely balancing the light and the dark. I say you also find out that Qui-Gon, because of kind of some of these radical beliefs, I think you could probably say, um, like that's why he's not a member of like the Jedi Council and why I think he's probably seen as like a little bit different because um, we, we find that out in his conversations with Obi-Wan. It's like, well, you could be on the Jedi Council. It's like, but you keep doing all these things and saying all these things that make them upset and, you know, think that you're kind of the radical thinking over here which is very interesting yeah for sure and that's that's something that we learn later on especially like if you get or you dig into um the tv shows is you learn a lot more about qui-gon and his journey and all of that stuff um but yeah so they make their way back to naboo we're back to our lovely little planet i honestly think of naboo as like an italian like it's italy like the entire planet is just yes italy. yeah it's very 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 italy inspired yes uh, so they go back and they basically tell Jar Jar, like, we need, we need help in order to get, like, to take over the city and stop the Trade Federation. So he's like, well, they won't be underground. Or he goes under, he goes underwater and, like, the city's deserted. But that just means they went to their hiding spot because they know that they were being attacked. So they go. And that is where we get the big reveal that the Handmaiden is actually Padme, the, the queen. queen. She's actually the queen. <laughs> Um, the, I keep making fun of this scene so much because she goes from like having this personality. And then for some reason, when she's like, when I am the queen, I speak like this and I don't have any inflection. I don't talk to anybody. I am completely stoic. I don't do anything. And so the part that cracks me up the most is she goes, we, she's like, I need your help. No, I beg of you. I need your help. And I'm like, Padme. Like, give some emotion. You were all, like, crazy emotional on Tatooine where you're like, nah, 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 nah. and then when you literally help, you just go, I beg of you, please help us. Please 
help us. Yeah, I I think I get it when she's in the complete costume with the white face and the makeup to help make that differentiation and try and fool you into thinking that it, it is two different people. But especially in this scene where she's basically saying, I am the queen, that definitely I don't feel like was the strongest choice. Because like at that point, it's like, well, who cares how you're speaking? Like everyone knows that that's a decoy. So you don't have to make sure you're talking the exact same as her or differently than her. It's like you can talk in your natural voice and actually show emotion. And like, that's the type of scene where you want emotion. Like you want to be like, like if we don't do this together, we're both screwed. Yep. 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 Um, My favorite thing about the boss is when he's like, you don't think you're better than the Gorgons? Me so like this. I'm like, oh my God, dude. Like, I mean, cool. Like you're going to help, but like, don't be so petty. He's being such a petty dude. I say he really is. And then all of a sudden, like we go to the next scene and he's like promoting Jar Jar Binks to like the general. And you're like, how have you all not died sooner? You let him and Anakin like stay back. That's another choice. Cause like, then we get into the whole like fighting and invading. And I get that like, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know what the purpose of Anakin getting into the ship and going up to the other ship was other than there's another way they can knock it out. I'm like, but literally it's like, why do you bring the kid with you on the mission to attack the palace? Yeah. I think it was just to be like, well, Anakin, it, it was honestly to give you a Luke Skywalker shooting into the Death Star, blowing things up moment. That's all it was for because they're like, because you learned in like the first one, like, oh, we like nobody can shoot it right and we need the force and blah blah, which Anakin didn't use the force, so he literally dumb luck of like pew 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 pew. Yeah. And it worked. It was an accident. It was an accident. So, you know, I it is what it is. And like Anakin was necessary to apparently blow up the control center so all the droids would just collapse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the end, Padme was able to grab her guns from the throne room and go, you're, we're going to discuss a new treaty now. You pew, pew, pew. Great for her. But while all that is happening, you know, we have the big final like duel with Darth Maul and Qui-Gon yes. and Obi-Wan, which is like, I remember that scene being intense the first time I watched it. And like, it's still like, I mean, I, I'll criticize the movie, but like this scene is still like them fighting is such a cool, like I love, I love seeing Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fighting together. And I just remember the the reveal with the Darth Maul saber where it was both. Oh my like, gosh, it was yes. The dual, oh. the dual saber. Like everyone was like, what the? Like it's, that is still such a cool, like when he like goes and it's like both sides. And it's just like, like them all fighting together is so good. Like I do like some of the fighting stuff in this film. Like there's one part where Obi-Wan like does like this thing and then he does like a double split kick to like knock out true droids. I don't remember when it was, but I was like, you got moves, bro. Yes, he does. Well, I was gonna say I was doing the equivalent. The Darth Maul double double saber moment is equivalent to Cap picking up Molnir. Like everyone will lose it every single time that thing <laughs> every opens. Time. He takes the cloak yeah. off, double thing. People go nuts. Like people love Darth Maul. That too is like when they do that, it was like the doors open and then all of a sudden they're all like taking their robes off and like their lightsabers. I was like, oh, things, stuff's about to happen. Yep, like the robes see. are coming off. Like it was just like, like was... it's about to go down. That's the legit moment of, yo, hold my hoops. Yeah. Like you're like, oh man, oh man. Okay. Yep. We're in for it. The fins yep. are off. So the, Yes. So that's where we get through that whole battle scene, which is honestly, and that is also one of the best scores ever is Duel of the Fates. Um, And that is when we lose Qui-Gon. And they also defeat Darth Maul where Obi-Wan slices him in half. I say, I remember that moment like in the theaters because Liam Neeson is like a big actor. And even as a kid, you you don't realize who the actors are and like the caliber of who they're casting. But you know that he's, like, a big character in the movie. Like, he's kind of been... He's been the Jedi you've been pretty much following this whole time. Like, obviously, Obi-Wan's been there. But to have him be killed off, like, in the first episode, you're just like, wait, what? What? It's like Ned... It's kind of like Ned Stark level. Like, this is a Ned Stark level for me, where it's like, you're not expecting it. But it's such a good 
like moment for for obi-wan because it's kind of like what catapults him to now becoming a jedi master and being able to train obi-wan but yeah that whole scene and then you're like worried that darth maul's actually gonna like beat obi-wan too and then you're like no and it gets sliced in half i say just the the little minuteness of like the blood splatter like the misting of the blood i was like oh just such perfection it's very wild um, but yeah, and, it, and like you said, it's honestly, I mean, that's kind of jumping ahead because we are not jumping ahead. It kind of leads us to the next part is that Obi-Wan basically says, I'm like, I'm good to take the trials. Like Qui-Gon trained me. I will take Anakin on. Like that was Qui-Gon's last wish. I will do it. And Yoda's like, I don't agree with it. I don't think it should happen. But you know what? I will support it. And that's when we now have Anakin is going to be Obi-Wan's new apprentice. And we then get the scene that we now learn because we didn't know before why Darth Vader was burned at the end of Return of the Jedi. But now we know that it is a Jedi custom that you basically cremate the Jedi. And so the big thing that we learned from Mace Windu is that there are always two, like the rule of two, which is a Sith thing, which I just got into this book that's like about um, Darth Bane. And he's the one that brings in the rule of a master and an apprentice. Because the idea behind it is that no matter what, because the Sith are always so power hungry, that the apprentice will always eventually surpass the master. So the apprentice will end up killing his master or the master will die in some whatever. And then the apprentice will become the master and take on a new apprentice. I think I remembered that, but watching this first, I'm very interested to have that kind of at the forefront of the mind going through the rest of the films. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm sure it holds up. But I, I really am curious if it actually really holds up as well as, you know, it, it, I don't know. I'm like, I feel like that could be something that they like forget at some point. They, it does get a little murky when you get to the Clone Wars, like TV show. Mm. But if you just stick with the movies and you don't look at the TV shows, it does hold true. Okay. That's good. Um, Cause yeah, I thought that was like, that was definitely something I noted that, um, was of note. I'm like, but also like, why do they all have to take this like opportunity moment at this, at Qui-Gon's funeral to like have all these conversations? It's like, I will train you. I'm like, there's always two. It's like, couldn't you like guys have waited until after, after this nice little ceremony's done? No, it had to happen now, <laughs> Carolyn. It had to happen now. <laughs> like why? Why is this so important? Can't we have respect for the dead? <laughs> So yes, I, I agree. It should have waited for later, but they said, listen, we got them all in one room. We got, it. this is the budget. I mean, I get it. They're already at like two hours and 16 minutes. So they got to, they got to get, get it in when they can. I say, but that actually brings us to the end of the movie where we kind of have a cell. We have, we have a celebration of the Gungans and the Naboo people coming together. And we have all of our cast there wishing them well. Um, one last thing we forgot is that Palpatine comes and says, I am chancellor now. So now we have chancellor Palpatine. Oh, Yes, I say yes, that is very important. So that's why he is now there at that celebration to celebrate the union of his planet of both the Gungans and the land people uniting together and being peaceful together. The peace! (laughs) The peace! I say everyone shares their like cute, nice looks at each other and then we cut to the cut to credits. Yeah, my voice is awful right now. I can't do it. But no, that's, but yeah, you're right. We got to the end of the movie. And so, so we did it. Wild, wild journey. Yeah, we did it. Wild, wild journey. Right. So, okay. What were some of your favorite things about this movie? Favorite characters or scenes, quotes that you really liked? Um, I mean, the Gungans are pretty funny. I love all the things that they say just because they're just ridiculous in what they say. Um, You will learn throughout the rest of this series that Padme is just, I love her so much. Like Princess Leia, love her, but like Padme is the shiz. Like I love her. Um, Just because again, I'm a political nerd and she's a political nerd. So like Padme, we have a lot in common. Like let's be friends. (laughs) Let's be besties. Yes, 100%. And I guess my favorite scene obviously has to be the duel between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I say, I definitely agree with you on that. Like, Padme is definitely one of my favorite characters. I've talked about my love of her. I like costumes just so much. I just 
oh, she's amazing, I say. And I do think she's such a great, like, strong female character for like, people to look up to. Like, she's not afraid to voice her opinions. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe she gets a little, like, you know, manipulated by people. But, like, her intentions are just always really great. Um, I love Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. They're two of probably my favorite Star Wars characters ever. I just love Liam Neeson. And then Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. He's just He does just such a good job embodying a character who obviously was in the first film that was ever around and just giving life to a younger version of that. I, I just think he does phenomenal throughout all of them. So I love him. And then my favorite scene definitely is that duel with Darth Maul and the two Jedi. It's just, it's so well choreographed and it, it's so intense with all of like the moments of the, you know, the, the, what, the, what the energy doors and just building yes. that like suspense the whole time. Um, I think that's impeccably done. Um, yeah. Those are some of my favorites. All right. So I asked this question at the beginning. Now that we've gone through all of this, we've rewatched out of 10 lightsabers, how many would you give it? I think I'd probably give it like a six and a half now. Uh, Cause there's things that I still really, really like about it, but there's also things that I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like this is kind of boring or, you know, like we don't necessarily need this or like, mm, this could have been done better. So it's, I think it sits at kind of like a 6.5 for me. Like I definitely don't hate it. There's definitely others that I dislike a lot more, <laughs> but I don't know if I'd go back and revisit this one very often. What about you? Um, I'm definitely going to give it, I'm going to give it lower. I'm going to give it a six. So Ooh, okay. I, I, like I said, with nostalgia purposes, like I still really, really enjoy this movie. There are definitely elements of it, but like half of this movie, I don't, care for and I like skip like definitely like I skip the tattooing portion that's literally like a third of the movie so mm-hmm. there's yeah there's just pieces that I'm just not totally sold on anymore I do like I said I do for the most part lo- like I enjoy this movie a lot but I'll just give it a six out of ten yeah I would say it's just it's just just kind of in the middle there yeah for sure well we did it we got through the first Star Wars movie so that means that means next we get to watch episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I'm I'm actually excited to rewatch this one because it's been a very long time. And I think I remember this being when it came out, the one that I was I I would this was the one that I would watch a lot. So I'm excited to watch it again. Yeah, I have I have some awesome memories with this one too. So I'm very excited for us to revisit it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yes. All right. So then I guess with all that, um, please make sure to follow us. You can follow us on Instagram at Disney Geeks the Pod. And you can follow me at Rod Meets World with an H. And you can follow Carolyn at the Tiniest Adventure with underscores between each word. Yes. And join us in our next episode where we obviously talk about the Attack of the Clones. Bye.